welcome to another episode of Living an Ultralife. I'm Mike, I'm your host, and this week I want to talk to you about the race. Let's talk a little bit about running the race. So, you know, I've run a lot of ultramarathon races. In fact, my 100-mile race at the end of March will be my 55th ultramarathon race, which I think is pretty daggone cool. And that's been in seven short years of running ultramarathon. So this being my 55th ultramarathon race, I'm really excited about it. I'm very well trained for it. I am very prepared for it. And I got to thinking about it the other day and I thought, you know, it's pretty significant running a hundred mile race. But I would be foolish if I thought that I was going to podium at this race. I am not going to finish in the top three unless something really magical happens. I mean, it is possible because, you know, anything is possible. But it's not why I run races. For me, running races is all about the target at the end of the discipline that I do to train well. The, the hard part about ultramarathon running is that you do a lot of training to run a race. And, I, you know, we just had a guest on not too long ago. John runs more ultramarathon races than anybody I've ever known. He's on track this year to probably run 40 ultramarathon races. That's amazing. And he's not running easy ones. And one of the things that as I was thinking about, you know, my 55th ultramarathon race is I'm extremely excited about running the race. There's a quote that goes way back and it says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. And it says, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So for me, I'm not running for the prize at the end of the race. Yes, at the end of this 100-mile race, I am looking very forward to actually being handed a belt buckle because the only two belt buckles I've earned were during the pandemic, and they were mailed to me, which is a little anticlimactic after you've run a race and earned a belt buckle. So I'm looking very much forward to being handed the belt buckle at the end of this race. And it'll be a prize that I cherish. But that's not why I run. I run because it balances me. Running is where I find my balance in life. Running is where I center myself so that I can continue to pursue challenging myself to be better every day. That's the prize that I'm running for. I'm running to be able to look myself in the mirror and go, yep, you were better today than you were yesterday. You're going to be better tomorrow than you are today. And when I say better, this isn't like a prideful or boastful thing that I'm better. It means that I believe that I can live better in harmony with other people in a way that is better than what I'm doing today. So I'm not saying that I have to be this excellent human being and I'm going to be better. I'm saying that I want to be able to live better around other human beings. As I considered all this, I got to thinking about, you know, what does it really take to just run the race well in an ultramarathon race? And so I've been doing a lot of experimenting lately with my running style. I have been most successful in races when I have done it in a run-walk interval. You guys know that this year I, I took on a coached 
Chris Guerra with Forge Glory Athletics. And so I've been texting back and forth with him a strategy and a thought about this upcoming 100-mile race and what my strategy was. And I told him I'm thinking about doing a 3-1 run-walk interval. He texted back and he said, with the way that you walk, what if you switched those and you did a 1-3, one one-minute run, three-minute walk? I was like, uh, well, I, it'll take me longer. And he said, I don't think so. And so I've already proven that I can walk an ultramarathon race and finish. As some of you know, the JFK 50 miler in 2020, I severely twisted my ankle coming off of the AT. You would think you would do it on the AT, but no, I did it stepping into a restroom at the end of the AT section because that's the way Mike does it. And so I twisted my ankle and after that, it was everything I could do to put any type of pressure on it. But I just said, you know what? I can walk fast. And that's one of the things that I've done. I wrote an article not too long ago. It was called Walking an Ultramarathon is Not As Weird As It Sounds. And it isn't as weird as it sounds. I did 36 miles of the JFK 50 walking. And in the last 10 miles, I am willing to bet you that I passed at least 20 people who had been running the whole time. That isn't to boast. That isn't to say anything other than one of the things that I have decided to do to be more successful in my ultra marathon running is to slow down. Doesn't that sound weird? So those of you who are used to running faster, running faster, running faster, running faster, Mike sounds like a total weirdo right now. And you're right, it does sound weird. Living an Ultra Life is brought to you by Forge Glory Athletics. Forge Glory Athletics is a science-driven, client-proven, premier running company that instills strong introspective pillars through disciplines of movement that award personal growth and multiple aspects of the athlete's life without injury. We must find the light within ourselves before others can follow. Christopher Guerra. But here's what happened the other day. So I took Chris's suggestion. I said, okay, let me just go see what happens. So I went out and I said, okay, we're going to start with a one-minute run, two-minute walk. And we're going to see how I average over a pretty good sustained thing. I had about an hour. And so I went out and I ran just shy of seven and a half miles. And every single mile was under a nine minute and 30 second pace. So I was very purposely taking notes mentally as I was doing this. At one point, I looked down at my watch when I was running and I was running a 6.58 pace. I was like, holy crap, my watch is broken because I don't think I've ever seen a six in a pace. My quickest one minute runs were averaging in the 7.30 to 7.40 range for the one minute. My slowest average was around 8.25. So I was averaging anywhere from that 7.20 to 8.30 range for the one minute run. But this is where it gets even better. My two minute walks, I was averaging between 10 and a half to 13 minute walks. Now that doesn't sound very fast, but do that sustained at a heart rate that's under 140 over 100 miles. That's where 
the sustainability and the endurance come in. Now it doesn't look sexy if you're walking. Nope, it's not really impressive. But you know what? I'm still covering 100 miles. So one of the things that I would like to just kind of get through everybody's head is try to slow down just a little bit. If you want to be successful in the ultramarathon world, there are only three people who are going to stand on the podium, males, and three women who are going to stand on the podium every single race. They're the only ones who are going to get the prize at the end of the race. Everybody else, you're going to get some swag. You're going to get something. But what you're doing is you're running the race to finish well. You're running the race so that you can be in the race. So this kind of goes back to, I got very frustrated in January, like I do every January, because I watch everybody getting these running ambassadorships. And I apply for them, and I have never gotten one, ever. And I watch everybody in January gleefully talk about their new ambassadorship that they get. And ambassadorships are really cool because you get deep discounts on products. Some of them, you even get free products. They help you sometimes get entry to races. And so it's it's kind of a big deal. And every January, I watch as my inbox fills up with a thank you for applying. However, we have decided that you don't quite fit our program right now. Please feel free to apply again. I mean, you know, when you're in sales, you get used to rejection letters. But I've been doing this for five years now, applying for ambassadorships. And five years, I get the rejection letter every year. And, you know, it's a little bit tough. So I was whining on one of my runs. I like to talk to God during my runs. And mainly, he gets to hear my complaints. Yeah, it's my complaints department time. And so I was whining about not getting, you know, an ambassadorship. And this little subtle reminder came back that was part of who I've been for a very, very long time. The subtle reminder was, Mike, you are the middle relief pitcher on a baseball staff. I dare you guys to try and think of who the middle relief pitcher, you know, not the first guy they call out of the bullpen when the starter is failing. Not the second guy they call out of the bullpen. Not the guy that sets up the closer who is the all-star. This is the guy that he's like the third guy out of the bullpen and nobody knows his name. He, he comes in, he's probably pitching to one or two batters. So as I was whining, this thought kind of comes to my mind and it says, Mike, you're the middle relief pitcher. What you're there to do is to go in, do your job, move aside, hand the ball off to the next person. You're just taking the ball, you're throwing your pitches, and then you're getting out of the way for the all-star to come in. You're never going to make an all-star team. You're never going to be the person that people go, ooh, I want his ultra-running baseball card. That's not who I am. I'm just this dude who has a huge passion for running, I love to run. I love to talk other people into running extreme miles. It's one of the joys of my life to turn other people into ultramarathon runners. I love everything there is about ultramarathon running. I am probably never going to be the person who gets an ambassadorship because I'm not who they're looking for. I'm the middle relief pitcher that there's probably not even a baseball card ever going to be made known in my name. That's how middle relief I am. I'm not an all-star. However, I am a person with passion. And one of the things that was reminded to me in this time was 
The key is you're in the game. And to the 99% of the ultra marathon runners out there who are busting their butts and who are doing everything they can to get to the finish line, can I tell you that I sit here today and I applaud you, I admire you, I love you, and I think you're the biggest champion out there because you know what? You're in the race. You may not win. You may finish dead last. But you know what? You're in the race. You may have a crappy day. Your stomach may fail. You may find yourself like I have many times on your knees on the side of the trail blowing up everything that you've tried to keep down for the last two hours. But you know what? When you get back on your feet and you go back out there and run again, you're in the race. And just like me, you may never get the accolades. You may never get the glory. You may never get the honor. But you know what? There's something that happens when you cross the finish line. I will never forget when I topped the last hill and took that turn to hit the, the finish line at JFK. It was dark out. There weren't a whole lot of people left out there. My wife was the loudest person out there. I could hear her from a half mile away at least, which is awesome. That's why she's always my forever girlfriend. But you know what? As I made that way to the finish line, I was in tears. Not because of the pain in my ankle, but because I knew that I had overcome a lot of self-doubt, a lot of discouragement, a lot of hard times, and I had run the race, and I was about to cross the line. And I am telling you, that's why you need to keep on getting up early in the morning. You need to keep on doing those noon runs. You need to keep on going out in the evenings when you don't feel like it and just keep on running, keep on pursuing whatever it is that running fulfills for you. Because when you cross that finish line, you are a champion. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.